I would like to acknowledge the Gurringai people and pay my respects to the elders, both past and present. The Gurringai people are the traditional owners of this land where we meet today. In the vast landscape of remarkable people, very few have encountered the inspiring Sharon Zabrigas and her journey from silence to strength. What makes Sharon's story truly exceptional is the adversity she faced as a deaf individual in the workplace. Join us as I delve into Sharon's personal journey from overcoming the challenges of being hard of hearing to evolving into a passionate advocate and entrepreneur. Welcome to Sharing Stories, Changing Lives. The host, Karen Sander, has the privilege of interviewing individuals from all walks of life, each with their own powerful and inspiring stories. The guests share their life experiences, and in doing so, they celebrate the transformative magic of storytelling. To learn more, visit www.thestoryroom.au and explore the private membership area, The Backstage Pass. Welcome, Sharon Zabrigas. Thank you for having me, Karen. I am so excited because I've never done a podcast with someone who is deaf. And as I've been learning from you, it's to refer to you as hard of hearing. Just tell us a little bit about you. My name is Sharon. And my last name is Sabregas, and you said it really well, so I'm very proud of you, Karen. <laughs> um, I actually identify as deaf, so was born deaf. So my parents had three children. I was the third one, and my brother is also deaf. So it was a recessive gene between my parents. I was born deaf, and Auslan Sign Language was my first language, and started speaking when I was five. I just want to tell the people that are listening now that you actually can't hear me. You are watching me on the recording platform. You are lip reading my questions and you are signing at the same time to help yourself to stay on track and answer the questions. So I take my hat off to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me as well. And it's actually my first time doing a podcast as well. So we're in the same boat. <laughs> first time for me with someone with hearing problems and the first time for you with the podcast. Look, in your early days, when you first realised you were hard of hearing, can you take us back in time and is there any memories that stand out? And if so, how did you cope with the challenges you faced in communication and understanding? That question was actually a little bit hard for me to to think about because I I didn't really have a a moment where I realised I was deaf until I was a bit older. So I grew up and my brother and I would communicate through sign language at home um, there was lots of mimes. I I loved reading and writing. Because my, my brother and sister were nine and ten years older, I was home alone a lot. So I was used to just reading and drawing. 
I didn't actually realise that it was a language that not many people knew about. I just assumed that that sign language Auslan was something that everyone knew and understood. So I think that was probably a little bit of a shock growing up and realising that people didn't understand me. And so, so that was confusing. I can just imagine how confusing it would be. And I asked you a question the other day which fascinated me because you speak so clearly and you also, to me, have an Aussie accent, yet you've never heard the accent. It was really funny when you said that I had a an Aussie accent because I, I, I don't know what an Aussie accent actually sounds like. So that was really funny for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of, it was just I observed it because, you know, when I'm talking to you, I it's a lot for me to process that you're not actually hearing anything I say. And I, I know that sounds like, yeah, I, I'm just... Um, gobsmacked that we can actually do this. But look, you also have told me about being bilingual. Can you explain bilingual? Bilingual actually means having two languages and being fluent in two languages. Sometimes my thoughts do growing up got jumbled or blended. So often I would communicate with my family, both spoken and in Auslan, or if I went out into the community, I would sign as well. So often people would look at me a little bit strange, wondering why I'm signing. Uh, I, I often will fingerspell words. So when you're writing and you you look at it and you go, oh, that doesn't look right. I need to fix up that word until I get that that spelling right. I actually do that through finger spelling. So I'll finger spell something, and then I'll know, okay, that's the right way to finger spell it. Then I'll write it. And I didn't realise that was odd until my family would come up to me and ask me, Mum, can you help me spell spell this word out? And so I'd stand there, finger spelling, and then I would tell them what the, the word was and they'd look at me like that was really odd. But to me that was the most that was my first language. So that was that was natural for me to to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also went to a school that was mainstream. And there were teachers there that would use sign language, but that also speak. So that also helped me to have that that bilingual access. We were talking uh, the other day online, and you mentioned that you had a lot of speech therapy. Can you explain that? When I was born, my parents were very, very upset because. They also had a son that was profoundly deaf as well. At that time, he was nine, non-verbal and only signed. So they were really upset and emotional about finding out their third child was deaf also. So they decided to try a different approach. They decided that they wanted to give me access to both 
sign language and also spoken language. At that time, there wasn't any services that you could access for both. If you went with one service, they would want you to focus only on spoken language and not on sign language because that organisation or service would believe that that would hinder their ability to speak. If my parents would go to a different service where they provided Auslan teaching, they would not encourage spoken language. So my parents found that really difficult and they found it hard to find an organisation that provided access to both. So my parents decided to put me into a mainstream school at the age of three At that time, for deaf kids, going to school at three was normal. So a lot of us in our age generation all started at the age of three. Mm -hmm. My parents then decided that they would pay for a private speech therapist to help me learn, learn how to speak. And so I did that mixed with going to school and having access to both. So I was lucky to have that access, but I know that a lot of families didn't have the ability to pay for a speech therapist and have speech therapy every week and have that additional private support. Did you find going to school difficult? Because I went at the age of three, they didn't even have a uniform that fitted me yet because I was so little. I I loved going to school because they had access to communication in my language. So I felt a little bit uh, lonely at home. So going to school and having access to a language was exciting for me. So I didn't really mind it. But I, I noticed as I got older that I realised I was different. So children would come up and ask me about my hearing aids. And in the 80s, AIDS was a big problem. Um, a lot of people were scared about contracting AIDS. And children thought because I had hearing aids that I had AIDS. So, so there was a lot of... Um, bullying at that time. Uh, I was confused. It was, yeah, at that time there wasn't a lot of awareness around being deaf and hearing aids. So, yeah, uh, it was not easy growing up. I know I'm going a little bit off what we discussed. Did you have any really close friends that stood by you? I had lots of friends growing up. We had children who were deaf and hard of hearing as well. I was a little bit unique because a lot of my friends were either profoundly deaf who couldn't speak at all or they were hearing but they didn't know how to communicate with me. So I felt like I was in between. I felt Mm. different because not only was I deaf and I still needed access to support but because as I started growing up and started speaking, there was that assumption that I could hear. So I still missed out on a lot. And 
I found that really hard. So, yes, I had friends that were there to support me, but it was hard It was hard for them to understand exactly what it was like for me as well. Did your brother eventually learn to speak? He's now 49 and he's still nonverbal. So he only communicates in Auslan. He can't speak at all. The day that my parents found out that I was deaf, the only person who was running around through the house in joy was my brother. He was so, so happy to have a sister who was deaf. That's amazing. Like, (laughs) gave him, like, a new lease of life. (laughs) It did, it did, and we're still very close today. So I want to jump to when you finished school and you went into the workforce. Can you share your early experiences or even what you did, whether you went to university, what you did the challenges you encountered being a person who was hard of hearing and some of the experiences you had, was the workplace inclusive for you? I know that's a big question, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I'll try my best to answer that. I was really excited about starting my first job, but I quickly realised how hard it was for me to explain to someone that I was deaf. I realised if I was in an interview next to a person who was exactly like me but they weren't deaf, the chances were that that person would get the job over myself. Mm -hmm. And discrimination is real. Uh, It's also... I can understand, looking back, a lot of organisations didn't know how to provide that support. They didn't have that awareness. So I started going to interviews and lying and and not telling them that I was deaf. But I was kind of digging myself into a, a hole because when I started working, I struggled because I needed access to being able to communicate with people and quite quickly and early on I started to to struggle a lot in my workplaces. As I I started getting older, I started to become stronger in advocating. So I would start to advocate to workplaces to add captions to their, their training programs online being involved in improving their policies and processes, asking them to add transcripts for uh, online communications with teleconference calls. That was a real challenge for me. I I went out of my way to look for organisations that actively promoted that they were inclusive and Uh, they had diversity in their organisation and I would go after those organisations to work with them. You did have some pretty tough lessons to learn out there about bullying though. Are you happy to share a little bit of that? Yeah, I, my last job before I started Sign Here, I was working as an employment consultant. So my background was an employment consultant helping people 
who had a disability be placed into work. I loved my job. My job was a New South Wales partnership manager and I worked all over New South Wales to work with large organisations like CBA, ANZ, really huge organisations and help them find ways to make their roles more accessible for a person who had a disability. And my employer that I was working with was really, really difficult to work with. She was really awful. Uh, She uh, went out of her way to make sure I didn't have access to interpreters and she would say things like, I don't really believe that you're deaf. I think you used the deaf card. I, I wish I was deaf so I could play the deaf card as well. And it, it, it was one of the worst times of my life where I I felt so lost. I felt ashamed to be deaf. It she made me feel like I was nothing. And I I had a I went to I tried to push through it. Most people with a disability, they know how hard it is to get a job. I knew this amazing job was so was so important to me and it was a very well paid job as well. And I was scared to leave, but it got to the point where I started losing my hair and I went to my doctor and he straight away said, this is alopecia, what's going on? And then that's when I I, I broke down and I started crying and t- started showing him all the messages that my employer would send to me after hours and uh, the things that she was saying and doing, and it was behind closed doors, so the other staff couldn't see what was happening. So uh, it was quite. She was quite clever in her approach, and she. I started to learn about gaslighting, and I realised that she would say things really nicely in an email and appreciate my work, but verbally she would tell me a different story, and I was always very confused. And so I had to to leave that job and I I, I spent about four or five months not working and I went to see a counsellor. I had to build my confidence again. But in that time, it was when the deaf community actually started reaching out to me and they knew my background as an employment consultant. So they started asking for private support and for them to pay me to help them find employment. And uh, one by one, there'd be more and more people from the deaf community coming to join me and giving me support and encouraging me. And that's when I realised that there was a huge gap there. And then I started realising there was other deaf people like myself working in jobs where they were also silently dealing with bullying and not having another person there to advocate for them. And so that's where Sign sign Here got established. Well, I'm sure that that person um, that bullied you, you know, hasn't progressed very far in life and uh, her emotional intelligence is obviously a little poor. (laughs) Yeah, I, I look back and I... 
I actually feel sad for her because I, I think that we could have been good friends and well, I think it's really sad that if you don't have um, an open mind and, you know, I'm of the belief that hurt people hurt people. So I think she was a very hurt person and uh, for someone to, who was doing things like that, there had to be some things going on in the background I've heard many cases like similar in the speaking community and bullies often do it behind closed doors because they don't want to be caught. And I totally appreciate when you love a job and you don't want to leave a job, but that person is making it so hard for you that every day is hard. If you're interested in getting more involved in our community, connecting with people who share your interests, you can do this by visiting our website at www.thestoryroom.au. Sharon, you started a business called Sign Here and probably that bullying and what you were just talking about, people coming to you independently, helped you to get this started. Can you tell us about Sign here. Well, sign here does. Um, there's so much that we do. So I started sign here just providing employment support. Then I started to have families who had children who wanted Auslan teaching, and through COVID lockdown, we it grew so quick and I I think it's because of the Auslan interpreters on the news that really put us on the map and people wanted to, to learn a language and I realised I couldn't do it on my own. So my first employee was actually a deaf man who worked for Flight Centre and he was organising holidays for the deaf community because deaf people need to go on holidays as well. <laughs> um, I'm glad. <laughs> and and sadly, through the COVID lockdown, he lost his job. So he had actually reached out to me and asked if there was any work. So he started doing Auslan teaching and then from there we grew to um, now providing lots of different services. So we offer Auslan teaching, employment supports for the deaf community, advocacy for the workplace. We also have Auslan interpreting or if there's videos or people who want to have Auslan added on their website, we do a lot of deaf awareness training for workplaces we will provide as much as we can that's around the deaf community, Auslan teaching. The only thing we don't do is support work, really. Do you love your work? I love it so much. I, I wake up every day and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for every client that we meet. I'm grateful for every organisation and stakeholder that I meet because it's, I wouldn't be here doing what I love if I hadn't have gone through that terrible time. So even that I'm grateful for because it forced me in a position to start up Sign Here. It's been an incredible experience. How do you think you have grown as a person? I'm, I'm definitely much stronger. 
I probably have less patience when it comes to finding out people are being bullied and I really want to get on top of that and fix that because I I know myself having gone through that, delaying that support, it's not good and making sure that there's support around for that person straight away. I think it's made me realise I can, I can do this. I never thought I could do this. I don't have a business background. I don't have a business mind. I've had a lot of wonderful people who've encouraged me and supported me to start up sign here. And there's been people who had more faith in me than I did myself. And I'm really, really grateful for those people who who pushed me to, to continue. That's quite often the case that we don't value ourselves enough and we often have imposter syndrome and you said about running a business I think a lot of these things you just have to dive in and learn as you go and as women many women want all the answers right there at the beginning instead of men will just go in and fumble around and do it but women like to have it all packaged up, ready to go. I remember the first time I sent an invoice to MYOB and I had to go into YouTube and work out how to edit and fix it because it was wrong and I think I spent two hours doing it. But looking back, I'm grateful that I've learnt so much about starting up a business because even though I've given that to another person to manage, I don't feel like I'm taking taking advantage of. I've learnt everything so that when someone talks to me, I know exactly what they're talking about. So I think it's been very empowering for me to, to learn all those new skills. It is amazing that you grew through COVID. I still am really blown away because before COVID, it was just me there was no other person with me. It was a very lonely experience (laughs) and growing and having COVID hit, I never did any online supports before. So when COVID started, we had to, I had to change the approach and set up Auslan Teaching Online, Employment Supports Online, and that was actually a huge positive change for me because it grew so quick and I was able to employ more people to join Sign Here and it was just a, a really bizarre experience because I know for most people in COVID, they lost their business and it was a terrible time for many and it was completely the opposite for me. So that was very, very strange. At the end of COVID, how many employees did you have? At the end of COVID, I want to say it was around seven or eight people at that time. And now? Now, I think from last count, we have 17 staff. Woohoo! That is huge. It's almost not a small business anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely grown a lot. I'm just so grateful. We have a, a wonderful team. Most of our team are deaf 
And so it means so much to me to be able to employ a deaf person and and to see them grow. And a lot of them have never had a permanent job before they joined me and being able to give them that opportunity, build their skills for them to be able to buy their own home and and encourage them and have someone believe in them. It, it, it's really special for me to be able to provide that little door of opportunity for them. That's really amazing. And I want to ask you about the aspect or the, the accomplishment in your organisation that you're most proud of and why. There's so many things I'm proud of. I have to say First and foremost, I'm proud that my husband is part of my sign here journey. He left his job full time and has been working with me for the past two years full time. And that's been such an achievement. It was also a huge risk for him to leave his career and work with me full, full time. That was that was a, a, a big leap of faith. I'm proud of my team. I think also being able to change people's lives, you know, I think at the end of all of this, it's all it's about changing people's lives and making their lives better. Uh, if, if I can help the next generation to, to not go through what I went through and what who who went through before me, if I can make it better for, for our future, then that's what I'm most proud of, to be, be to be part of that. It's a huge legacy for any one little business and for you, Sharon, to achieve, and I know you'll do that. I'll do my very best. I want to talk about your family because you have two children with your husband and they are able to hear. Yes, yes, so... Uh, I'm the only deaf person in my family, so I get to sleep peacefully at night. So if there's any neighbours having parties, then I can see if my family's looking a bit tired the next day while I'm fresh. <laughs> we we have a lot of, we have boundaries. So because my husband and I work together, we have to try and set up boundaries. It's, it's difficult to do sometimes because we work together I think it's important to ask for for support. There's been times where it has been overwhelming and I've I've found it hard to juggle being a mum, being a wife and also being a business owner and asking for help is really important. So I've learnt to to make sure that I step back and, and talk to someone about those things. I also am caring for my brother as well. So he is also someone I care for and my mum as well. So she's 78. So she's also ageing and she also needs help. So there's a lot on my on my plate. But I think this year I'm just learning to have more self-care for myself and learning to say no. I think that's probably a big thing for me because mm. I, I'm a, a bit of a yes person. So I have to try and stop and think, okay, do I have to do this or can I give it to someone? And perhaps ask maybe my staff to to take over that role and give them the opportunity to build new skills as well. There's one question that I, I didn't ask 
Are there any specific partnerships or collaborations that have contributed to your growth at Sign here? I I work a lot with Bus Stop Films. They are local in the Sutherland Shire, but they work all across Australia and they do they provide films that are diverse and inclusive and they have a lot of staff who have disabilities and we work a lot with them providing Auslan support, uh, providing acting advice for those who are deaf or hard of hearing. We also work a lot with the, the local council and, yeah, so they're probably the, the main two partnerships that we have, but we work a lot with small businesses. We work with workplaces and we we try to be involved in the disability action plans with the different councils. So we try to get involved in different organisations. We also partnership with Job Access as well. So Job Access are a government organisation who provide employment assistance funding for people with a disability. And a lot of employers don't know about that funding that they can actually access for their employees who have a disability. So we often partner with Job Access to make sure that employers and employees can have access to that funding as well. So we work closely with them. I want to ask you for some advice. If people are listening to the podcast and they have a family member, even a young person or someone who needs help, that they are hard of hearing, can you give us some steps to walk them through where to start? I think the first start would be is congratulations on your baby and how wonderful it is that they are part of the deaf community because it is a beautiful, special community. And I think the reality is a lot of people are sad when they find out their child is deaf and there's so many opportunities out there now. You only have to look at me. I've I've started up a business. If it's possible for me, it's possible for anyone, regardless whether or not they have a hearing loss or a disability I think it's important for family to support each other and to ask lots of questions to different organisations, do your research, talk to uh, different deaf organisations, join Facebook groups where they have deaf groups where they can ask questions there. I think it's important to offer those people who are deaf or hard of hearing the option of both spoken and sign language. I, I I strongly believe that there's no harm in giving them all of the tools and all of the services that are out there and supports that they can access and leave it to the, the child as they grow up to find out where they feel comfortable. They might become bilingual like myself or they might prefer one or the other. I think it's just important that they're given those opportunities to explore and see what's out there and what fits them. And and just being able to, to connect with people and talk about what they're going through. Sharon, this is a first for you today, a podcast, but I believe when you came 
on my live story room event in Cronulla that that was a first as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Can you share how you felt coming onto a stage and you provided someone to do Auslan for the whole six storytellers that night, which was to me just a magic, magic experience. Can you share your experience that night, please? I think seeing all the faces in the crowd was, it was really, really humbling for for me to think that they booked tickets to come and listen to all of our stories. That was that was really humbling for me. I must admit that I was thinking about it maybe four months prior when I knew that I was going on stage. I was nervous. I was nervous about how people would would see me because I was sharing a, my raw story about how I was bullied and I've never really talked about my story with many people because I, I didn't want people to see me as weak and I didn't want people to feel sorry for me as well because it's it shaped me to be the person I am today and I had a lot of mixed emotions going on stage and I, I didn't know how my how people would react to my story and it was a very strange, unique feeling but at the end to see everyone coming up to me saying how much they enjoyed my story and how much it resonated with them, um, it meant so much to me and I think it was almost a bit of a healing moment for me as well, it was bizarre, but I think just being able to share that it really, it was very special. I'm really grateful that I was part of that. So thank you for, for having me there on stage. Well, Sharon, I think, first of all, it was a joy for me. I mean, gosh, that's an opportunity to have you on there was just like given a bar of gold, you know. it's It was amazing. And I think also, well, it confirms to me the the name of this podcast and the tagline for the story room is sharing stories, changing lives. And you just said it, that people came up to you that night and shared their feelings and it changes their lives. So that's the importance of these stories and the importance of being as inclusive as possible and to have everybody that we can have up there on stage to tell a story. I just think it's magic, a bit of magic. Well, it was was really wonderful for me to be able to also see the other stories as well and having access to the Auslan interpreter. I never even knew there was such a thing where people could share their stories in an audience like that, that was really new for me to be part of that experience. So I felt very, very privileged to be there and be able to witness those stories and have access in my language as well. So I was really grateful to to have that opportunity to, to see those stories as well. Well, Sharon, I just want to remind people listening today that you are lip reading everything that I say 
on a screen, on a platform we're recording on, you can't hear anything I'm saying and you are so spot on with your lip reading. It is amazing. I Again, you blow me away. You are a very clever and wonderful woman and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for for supporting me, Karen, and for, for giving me this opportunity. And, you know, I have to let you know at the end of the night I'm exhausted from all the lip reading and that's probably why I get a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sharon, I really look forward to watching you on your journey with your business and seeing you on stage again and and just watching you grow because you are just such a wonderful woman Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks again for having me. A special thanks to Sharon Zabrigas for sharing her inspiring journey and shedding light on the incredible work of Sign Here. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to comment with your thoughts and experiences. Your voice matters. Don't forget to check the podcast description for links to Sign Here and additional resources. And if you know someone who would benefit from this conversation, share the episode with them. Let's continue the dialogue and work towards a more inclusive world. Together, we can make a difference. Until next time, this is Karen signing off. Thank you for tuning in to Sharing Stories, Changing Lives. We'd like to invite you to support us by purchasing a Backstage Pass, costing about the same as two cups of coffee each month. With the Backstage Pass, you'll gain access to workshops and exclusive content, including videos from our live events. You can do this by visiting our website at www.thestoryroom.au. We can continue to show that sharing stories changes lives. 